2: Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast.
0: I think I follow up with you on that. Like you know, with a platform like Instagram, you're limited by an image. Uh, tweet, uh, Twitter, you're limited by a number of characters. YouTube seems to be like it's wide open. You can do a 24 hour, seven day a week uh, uh, data bots uh, uh, YouTube show. Sure. You know, like, and, but you could also post up something that's a few seconds long. Are there any? challenges uh that are unique to youtube or is it just psychological on youtube as to how often you can or cannot post on that form? uh
3: i would say youtube has the biggest
1: potential upside of any social media platform and it's also the most difficult to sort of build an audience on and the reason why is because you're competing with a lot of people who are really 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 good that already have really big audiences and that's tough uh, and YouTube sort of rewards people who, you know, my videos get recommended a lot because people watch them, which means more people watch them, which means they get recommended more. So it sort of rewards established people. And that's true of every platform, but I think it's especially true of YouTube. Uh, so to me, the, the most challenging thing about YouTube is that it's probably going to take you, unless you're really good, uh, it's probably going to take you six to nine to 12 months to really get anywhere there. Uh, And once you do, it's very valuable. I mean, if I didn't put out a video at all this month, I'd still probably get half a million views in the next month. Now that wouldn't last forever. but So I think YouTube in particular, the challenge is like putting in, being able to commit the time it takes to build up that kind of first initial bit of traction because it's hard and it's demoralizing and you're going to invest a lot of time and energy into something that feels like it's going nowhere.
0: Uh, Jeff, uh, it, as far as YouTube, it seems like I, I, I totally agree with Finn on that idea that like this is a, a just a, uh, a really awesome opportunity. To me, it seems like a really great opportunity to also deepen a fan relationship to try to you know turn a, a casual fan into a, a, the type of fan who's going to do a VIP package sometime in the future. That sort of thing. Is that true, or am I mistaken? Is uh, is there a better place? To develop a fan from a casual fan to a
4: a super fan, then YouTube. Well, I mean, you know, like Facebook, they offer top fan options, so they're able to identify fans. For for me, um, during a touring cycle, I see the most. This is a broad statement, but I see a lot of conversion when I'm when we're doing a co-headline. And we use like geotags and looking through the uh, additional artists through their posts um, using their tags as well. So that's where I've seen some of my highest conversion for for YouTube. For me personally, it's great because there's a lot of covers, um, you know, drum, bass, guitar covers of artists that I work with. Or they're doing press or, you know, like various archival interviews because I also work with similar to to Rohan where I I work with a lot of artists who have had 20, 30 year careers. So for me, that platform is great because I'm able to engage with people who have uploaded that archival content over the last, you know, 20 plus years. Um, So that's great for conversion. Um, But I still, you know, for me, for my demo, you know, Facebook is still, I know the organic reach is is much lower and, you know, like one out of every five posts is is basically an ad in, in your feed. It's still great for me because they were so highly populated, when the artists, you know, started, you know, a decade or so ago, so that was the first network that we that we built on, other than like MySpace and Friendster and that. So,
0: gotcha, Rohan. Can you uh, sort of pick up from there? Like uh, when you're working with uh, artists, and there are the platforms that are are now getting a little long in the tooth. Are there newer platforms that are just uh, exciting and and that you think like uh, are, are the the place everybody needs to be uh, and focusing on going into the future?
5: Um, Honestly, no. Not really. I've got uh, the band. The bands themselves, are. I find it, uh, I separate them from the band members. Um, Now, that's an interesting distinction because the band may represent something that a fan has... An image of, and then the band member can go off and do what it is that they do. So I've got a bunch of guys on Twitch, I think, and um they're loving TikTok right now. That's um the traction on that is just completely enormous. The views on that are enormous, the engagement on that is just out of control. And I have a few band members from the bands that have their own name, their own personalities as well, that have now shifted over to that because they get to be funny. They get to be, it gets a, it's a little short clip. It's a maybe a joke or it's a, you know, day in the life type stuff, which people love. You just cannot get enough of behind the scenes in, in terms of letting people into kind of what you do for a bit. So for me, that's the one. And I, And I think when, a band member themselves has something to say it's almost at the point depending on the size that you're following where you do branch off and become your own you become your own personality because that's an important thing too you've got two three four five different people in a band all of them see the world differently all of them have a different opinion there may be a management decision to stifle that initially so that the representation of the band doesn't get derailed in a different direction. That's important for socials. Um, but I think once you get a, a solid base, uh, that's when you can start to branch off. So, yeah, uh, maybe maybe TikTok is is probably the the one at the moment.
0: Excellent, thank you.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more so. Be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode, or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the Punk Rock NBA. And thanks
0: again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. David, you were nodding and thumbs up and everything as soon as the word TikTok came up. So what should people be doing? I've had oh, this app on my phone for like a month
2: and I stare yeah. at it, I, go, I don't get it. So we were we were late to the TikTok party, right? Because we're all 29 through 31 and we're like, no, that's dumb. Which is the same thing I said when Instagram came out. And it's the same thing I said when Facebook came out and I was on MySpace. <laughs> and I said the same thing about when MySpace came out when I was on Zanga, And I said the same thing about Zanga from LiveJournal. So I've constantly been late to adapt out of ego, right? Um, and so as soon as I was like, okay, I looked up social metrics on TikTok and it's like, okay, 41% of all the active users are between the ages of 16 and 24. Looking at this as a 10 year band, right? Meaning most of our fans uh, found us around our third al- album cycle and then phased out. Um, and then during our fourth album cycle, we had to completely you know, redo who our fan base was. Now about 60 to 70% of our fans are all new. They found us in the last four years. That was a very intentional move. But it took a very long period of time. Um, So wanting to figure out how can we, you know, essentially grab a younger fan base who are going to become lifelong fans. We really want to assign like LTV or lifetime value to those people. Um, So 41% of all active TikTok users are between the ages of 16 to 24. And then on top of that, the average daily usage for TikTok is like between 53 minutes and an hour. So all of the people that are on the platform are on there consistently throughout the day. And the way that their algorithms deliver content is it's not chronologically, which is great. It's all based on user engagement. So you could have something that you posted three months ago that all of a sudden goes viral. So it allows you to keep every single post or every piece of content that you put out to be leveraged as an asset rather than just something that you posted that was relevant for... A week or two weeks and then the engagement bottomed out like you see on Facebook or Instagram because it gets so buried, or Twitter because it gets so buried in your feed, on TikTok there's an opportunity at any moment for all of those to just organically go viral depending on what's going on in the the marketplace. So it's also really easy to put content out um, because automatically you're going to see what's going viral that day. And you can be like, oh, like this band member is goofy. I'm going to tell them to do this 20-second skit. Um, And all of a sudden, you might get, even if you only have 200 followers, you might get 30,000 likes on it. And all of a sudden, there's all new people coming in. We just created our TikTok, the We Came as Romans TikTok, like a week and a half ago. It's not verified yet or anything. We only have like 3,500 followers on it. But... And and we can't implement the law of large numbers, looking at like overall massive social analytics trends. But based off the metrics we're seeing, it is unlike any of the other social stats we see on any other platform. Normally about 60% of our followers, uh, or of the followers that are engaged with us are male, 40% female. It's 69% female, 31% male on this platform. I got excited about that because I can look at all of our purchase metrics and see that even though we sell more units in volume as far as merchandise to men, women spend about twice as much per transaction that men do. So if there's an untapped market here for us to build a new fan base with women who, based on these other social metrics, spend twice as much as men do, this could become a major profit center for us. Not to mention, it's the easiest way for us to engage with people. It's built around what's the word I'm looking for collaborating with other people you know you can ease someone can easily take a post and say oh I want to do a duet with this so we actually built an entire social campaign that we're starting to roll out this weekend built around duets and trying to get people to duet with the band also since it's a new platform they haven't minim- like minimized any delivery like there's no paywall for access to your reach right now that'll probably take place in a year and a half to two years maybe. And then also in the hard rock metalcore market, there are no bands doing it right now, none, none. It's like us, Crown the Empire, just made theirs a few days ago. All Time Low has been on it for about a month, but like Beartooth's not on it, I Prevail's not on it, Three Days Grace is on it and they do like a fan share every Friday or something. But it's an untapped market and I think that there's a massive opportunity for a lot of bands to become the I Prevail of kind of the next wave, who really capitalized on that platform, like I Prevailed did with Facebook.
0: It's awesome, David. You had—I was counting in my head seven wormholes that I really wanted to go in, and I got to avoid. All of them. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm like no, a dog chasing like, the wind. But each of them is is just like oh oh, because all I want to do is turn to Rohan, Jeff, and Finn and say, "Okay, talk to me about this," but I can't because I got to circle back on something Finn said probably like 35 minutes ago. And thank you so much, David, on that summary on TikTok because now everybody's running. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Finn, you were saying earlier that just don't bother with Facebook, which surprised me or something along those lines. Perhaps I'm putting words in your mouth. It surprised me because it seems like um, Facebook events is so powerful for marketing live performance. And the Facebook ad engine is so well developed the ai is so well developed at this point so uh can you talk about facebook events and talk about the the uh i guess all of these platforms in terms of advertising and where the great opportunities are for for uh, musicians at this point
1: well i can't really talk about facebook events because i don't promote any live events so uh that's a fair point that's probably useful uh i guess my point is that uh, I hear a lot of rock people kind of obsessing about getting very precious about organic reach on Facebook, on Facebook and, you know, caring a lot about how many likes their band page has, which is, is just kind of you're five years late on that, you know, get the likes by all means. That's great. But uh, I would not go out of my way to emphasize that. And by the way, there's no reason that like, if you have a good piece of content on Instagram, it'll do fine on Facebook too. I mean, there's, you know, it, there's there's no reason that you can't repurpose it. As far as ads go, I mean, yeah, Facebook, I've, I've tried so many times to get, I mean, you know, David would would have some good input here too, but I tried so many times to get the results on Facebook. And when I say Facebook ads, I'm referring to the Facebook ad platform, which as some people may or may not know, will distribute your ads into many places. Facebook dot com and the Facebook app is one of those places, Instagram, WhatsApp, the ad network. There, you know, I don't know how many placements there are now, like 25 or something like that. So Facebook ads offer the best ROI of anything I've been able to find. I've tried many times to duplicate it because I don't want to be so dependent on one channel, but they're just so damn good at it. I am interested to see where TikTok goes because I know they've been investing a lot in their ad tech. And they seem to be avoiding a lot of the mistakes that uh, other companies made, and the big one being like with Snapchat, they were never able to—well, not never, but they've always struggled to monetize their users adequately. I mean, that's that's the problem with Snapchat is that for a long time, their the the value of a user was negative relative to the amount that it cost them to acquire that user. Uh, it seems that TikTok—they seem to have a good management team. You know, they just hired the former CEO, or their new CEO was the former head of Disney Plus. So it seems like they are doing a lot of things right. And I'm optimistic about the future of their ad platform, but uh, I I don't think it's there yet. So point being, the way I think about Facebook is, or really any of these platforms, like if you want to move, if you want to move product by ads, that's what they're for. Uh, If you want to create engagement and build an audience and a community and stuff, that's what organic content is for not to say that you shouldn't ever promote your stuff like you should, but use the things for what they're meant for. If you want to sell shit, buy ads. If you want to talk to people, make content. I think it's the number one mistake I would say that people in all kinds of business make is they promote stuff too much. Yeah. And nobody wants that. Like you know, It's like the Punishers that, hand, that stand out uh, outside of a show and like shove their CD in your face. And it's like, I don't want that. I don't know you stop trying to sell me something. Um, And that's the same way people feel about uh, about their social feeds. So I guess in regards to Facebook, sure, if you get some likes, that's great, use it. But if you are putting a lot of energy into building up a Facebook page in 2020, that's not a smart use of your time, in my opinion.
3: All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty. That's me. And tag Deanna Chapman. That's a producer. Second thing you can do if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this. Or you can do none of that and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works, too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.
4: Hello out there.
0: Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz.
3: And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But The Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen.
0: Bruce and Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our biweekly episodes.
3: We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan.
0: If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So
3: please subscribe to Nemo at the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you
0: further on up the road.
5: Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!